0: Welcome to Ready for Anything, where we discuss real-life medical cases. And we're back. Hello. Hello.
1: So I think we're going to talk about the superstitions in the ER.
0: Yes, and then that's a good lead-in to what we call the night from hell, which is the most memorable, probably, yeah, the most memorable night of my nursing career. So.
1: Yeah, it's hard to forget that, but I think what kind of led up to it was, did somebody order Chinese food that night? Uh, I don't remember.
0: Not Because we, we weren't there. there. But anyway, yeah. we'll
1: get to that, I guess.
0: But we used to have this one physician, it seemed like, well... Let me back up a little bit and say it seemed like every time that we ordered Chinese food, the department would just explode and we would never be able to eat the Chinese food. And it was just Chinese food. It wasn't pizza. Wasn't anything else. And we used to have a physician that I mean, he would he would seriously get mad if we ordered Chinese food. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You know, we and we always talk about when it's a full moon and that brings the, the crazies out. Or, mm-hmm. you know, when it's a full moon on a Friday the 13th, that's like triple whammy.
0: Well, actually, a full moon on the first Friday of the month when everybody gets their checks. Oh, well,
1: yeah, that's a bad that's one. That's bad. <laughs> and you never say the Q word.
0: Yes, exactly. That's not good.
1: Even to this day after, you know. 20-something years, you'll text me and, hey, how's your day going? And I'll text back, I refuse to answer yeah. if it's been a good day because, <laughs> you know, as soon as you say, oh, it's great or it's good or it's quiet or it's not busy, then, you know, the, uh, the bus load full of uh, hemophiliacs is going to get into a car accident with a glass plate truck.
0: <laughs> right in front of the emergency department. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. So those are just a few of the superstitions that we try to avoid um, for the simple reason that we don't want to have nights like we're about to tell you about. (laughs) So at this time, um, we were, I can't remember if we were married or not, but um, shacked up. Yeah living in sin. (laughs) And I was working, I had a split job, which was very interesting. I worked weekend day shift in the ICU. So I worked every Saturday, every Sunday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. in the ICU. And then I worked one shift during the week in the ER. And that's because i didn't want to lose my ER skills, but yet I wanted to go to the ICU to learn a different set of skills. So this was...
1: I was gonna say, that time I was just a paramedic.
0: Yep, you were a paramedic. This was a Friday night, and neither one of us were working. We were at home. We actually were in bed asleep, and my phone rang, and it was the charge nurse from the emergency department who I had worked with for years and years, who is one of the best nurses that I have ever worked with in my career. And she said, can you please come in? I'm like, sure. And she said, how about Warren? Is he working? And I said, no, he's right here. She said, bring him with you. And
1: that right there, let us know that. Oh shit. Yep. Something bad's (laughs) happened.
0: Something bad has happened. So
1: the the uh, the feces has hit the oscillator.
0: Yes, it has. So we had no idea what we were walking into, and I rem- I remember walking in through the ambulance bay of the emergency department. And it's like those cartoons that you see, especially what comes to mind is like Spongebob with people like running around literally with their hair on fire. (laughs) I mean, it was just, it was madness. It was crazy. Pandemonium. Yes. And, um, you know, if I remember correctly, it was like one or two o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, it was late. Yeah. So, or early, whichever way you look at it. Right. But I remember walking in and there were, there was like... There were EMS trucks there. There were paramedics everywhere. The nursing staff was, you know, doing the best that we could. And I remember seeing the charge nurse and she's like, We have a multiple shooting. And this was um, uh, the night it was cloudy and rainy and overcast. And so the helicopter couldn't fly. So apparently, what had happened is there was a drive by shooting at a party. Um, and we got five gunshot victims all at the same time. Um, plus, well, that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) Hang on. That hasn't happened yet.
1: (laughs) An assault. We'll just say, yes, we'll say,
0: we'll say an assault victim that came in not long after all of this was going on. So, um, we had critically injured Um, Gunshot victims These were not like Oh I've been shot in the leg No this was Gunshot wounds to the chest Um, I think the patient That was actually up in room one Was a gunshot wound to the head So I mean very sick people So
1: The one I started off with The patient I started off with Was in one of the Front trauma rooms And had a Gunshot wound to the back and it was midline. It hit him in the spine at about T10 or T11. Because I remember Shoop. Yeah. Oh, Dr. Shoopner.
0: Uh huh. She
1: was the one taking care of him up in the front. Yep. And was trying to get him to. to they wanted to fly him out, but they couldn't because the, the weather. Couldn't fly in the weather. And so yep. she was trying to figure out if he was going to be stable enough to take the bumpy highway 13 road from from Goldsboro to Greenville. Yeah, which is trauma center.
0: Which is a 45 minute drive at best. Yeah. And that's like, you know, like you say it's an old country road. Now, let me preface this by saying that the hospital that we were working at at the time was not a trauma center. It was a community hospital. However, the acuity that we took care of at that hospital was very high, meaning that the patients were very sick, um, and we routinely would send patients to the trauma center, which was 45 minutes away. So um, that was one of the, so I know there was a gunshot wound to the head, there was a gunshot wound to the back, and then as soon as we got there, the charge nurse told me to go back to room seven, which was our big trauma bay because there was another gunshot wound back there. So I go back there. I walk in the door and they are in the process of, I mean, this guy, he's unconscious. He's been shot in the chest. Um, they're in the process of trying to get a chest tube in. And I mean, he's still alive. Um, and, Of course, he's unconscious, but, you know, um, as soon as they get the chest tube in, blood just comes pouring out. So, we knew that something very vital in his chest had been hit. Um, I still don't know to this day how he was alive at that point, but he was. So, um, I'll let you kind of talk about him because you actually came back there and uh, was the one...
1: Yeah, that was because I was kind of, since I was just a a paramedic at the time, I was just bouncing around from room to room, helping out where I could, starting IVs, putting bandages on, stuff like that. So I bounced into this room because they said that, you know, somebody said, we're going to crack his chest. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, ooh, that sounds like fun. Let's go play in there. So I go into the room and I'm literally, I'm just there to, to be an extra set of hands. Uh, To help out in any way that I can. And um, I think this was where you were saying, you know, my mentor uh, was in the room. He was one of the ER docs that was working that night. And somebody said something about cracking his chest. And he's like, we are not going to crack this guy's chest in the ER. And then one of the surgeons who, again, not a trauma surgeon, but this was a surgeon who happened to be in the hospital Came down a to the general ER. Surgeon. Yep, general surgeon who came, who, you know, heard everything that was going on because the whole hospital knew what was going on. Came down to the ER and was like, "We're cracking his chest."
0: Yep, and for those of you who don't know what it means to crack someone's chest, it's exactly what it sounds like.
1: Yeah, it's it is a brutal, barbaric, last ditch effort. I mean, this is like usually you're doing this on people that are dead or almost dead in a last dis- effort to try and save their life, where you are literally cutting their chest open, breaking their ribs and spreading them apart, and reaching down into their chest cavity to try and either stop bleeding, start restart their heart, you know, cross-clamp their aorta if they're bleeding in the lower portion, where you actually clamp off the blood supply to the bottom part of the body, just trying to save the heart and the brain. Yeah. At that point, so I mean, this is like a—it's a big deal. It's not something that's that's done very often at all.
0: I've done it or been a part of doing it twice in yeah. my twenty some odd years, twenty three years as a nurse. Yeah. I've been, and this was one of those two times.
1: Yeah, uh, I've I've been a part of it three times, and that's including this one. Mm-hmm. So the the surgeon makes the decision. He's like, "We're going to crack this guy's chest." So my mentor, the ER doc that was in there, looks at me, he's like, put on sterile gloves in case he needs you to like hand him stuff or things like that. So I'm standing there, you know, here I am. I've been a paramedic for, you know, a few years, but you know, this is all new to me. I'm not used to working in the ER. So I'm standing there, I got these sterile gloves on and I'm like, probably have a look like I'm a deer in a headlight kind of look. It's kind of scared to death. And uh, the surgeon's, you know, doing his thing. He Paints iodine over this guy's chest wall and puts the scalpel in at his sternum and just cuts all the way down to the table. And he's just, I mean, when I first, when I think of surgery, I think of, you know, precise, yeah. you know, beautiful cuts that, you know, are very now No, this guy was just cutting as fast as he could. And you know,
0: after, rightfully so. After
1: after going, undergoing the right training, I understand that's exactly how it is. Like mm-hmm. this is not a delicate, pristine surgery where you're worried about scars. You're just getting in as quickly as possible. So he does does this thing, gets the spreaders in there, gets this guy's chest open, and there's just there's blood pouring out everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so the surgeon's in there, and he's like, okay, I got one of the pulmonary vessels, and so he's able to to squeeze off the pulmonary vessel and it stops the bleeding. So it was like okay if, if, and we're, you know, steadily pumping blood into this. You know, I was helping, you know, initially helping like squeeze blood bags trying to get blood volume into this guy.
0: And we also, this is one of the only times in my nursing career that we had used the auto transfuser. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, remember me telling you that we put in a chest tube and blood came pouring out? Well, we actually took that blood that came out into the chest tube and hung it and put it back into him. So, yeah, yeah that again, not something that you do every day. Right. <laughs>
1: So the surgeon is sitting there, and he's got this blood as blood vessel in his chest cavity. It's one of the pulmonary vessels, one of the blood vessels that leads to the lungs, and he's got it in his hand, in his fingers, and he's asking for a vascular clamp. And so, a vascular clamp is an actual. It's a. This is exactly like what it sounds. It's a clamp that helps clamp off blood vessels, but they're very unique in the fact that they don't have teeth. They don't have. They're very specific on the amount of pressure they put because you have to be very gentle with blood vessels. They're friable. They're easy to tear. So you can't just grab like a pair of pliers or a a regular hemostat or something just to clamp it off because it'll tear it. And then you just, you know, making the problem worse.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, of course, we didn't have vascular clamps in the ER because we don't use them in the ER. And they're not part of like the typical standard equipment set. So somebody was trying to, you know, be telling someone, one of the, nurses were trying to find out from one of the other nurses where in the OR they could go to get one. And you know, the surgeon being a surgeon is like, forget this. I'm going to go get it myself. Well, he can't because he's holding onto that blood vessel. So he looks up and he sees my tall lanky ass standing there with (laughs) surgical gloves on, just like with my hands out in front of me looking like, I don't know. What do I do? What do I do? And he's like, you give me your hand and so I just stick my hand out. He grabs my hand, shoves it in this guy's chest. And he's like, "Pinch here," and I pinch. And then he lets go and walks off. And I'm like, "What the hell just <laughs> <laughs> happened?" So I'm sitting here, and this guy like is still alive, his heart is beating against my hand. And I'm like, standing there with this my hand in this guy's chest, and the, the doctor walked off. And I'm like, "Oh my god, what the hell is happening here?" <laughs>
0: I'm also excited as hell because I'm like, oh my god, my hands in this guy's chest. Yeah, (laughs) I am not qualified for this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I stand there and I don't move, and I'm like hurting by the time you know my hand starts to cramp up because I'm like terrified. And finally, the the surgeon comes back, clamps him, and then takes him to the OR, and ends up you know repairing. And stabilizing him in the OR, and I think the guy ended up living.
0: He did. He actually ended up coming to the ICU the next day when I was working day shift in ICU.
1: <laughs> but you didn't have him. You had the I other guy. I did not
0: have him. I had our assault that came in. So right about the time that they're cracking this guy's chest back in the trauma room and the surgeon is there, we have another guy that comes in, and he actually came in. EMS uh, brought him in as well. He (laughs) was cheating on his significant other and she came home early and found him in bed with someone else and went into the kitchen and grabbed a butcher knife and stabbed him in the heart and left the knife in. And that's what saved his life Mm -hmm. was the fact that she did not pull that knife back out. So he comes in drunk as a skunk, butcher knife still in chest Every time his heart beats, that butcher knife pulsates. <laughs> <laughs> and so this was in addition to the, the five, five gunshot wounds <laughs> that we had. And again, it's raining, cloudy, overcast, foggy, cannot fly.
1: Not to mention all the other accoutrement of ER patients that are always yes. coming in.
0: My tooth hurts. My yeah. <laughs> my and nose hurts, to, my. Yeah.
1: You didn't have to deliver a baby at that time, thank God. This is true. <laughs>
0: thank the Lord. I'd rather have a knife in somebody's chest than to deliver a baby any day. <laughs> <laughs> but um so we get him get him there, get him stabilized as much as we can because the surgeon who is there actually has the gunshot wound who's you know, you had your hand in his chest yeah. in the OR. So, we're trying to do the best that we can at this point. And, you know, this guy, he miraculously so, is pretty stable. Um, you know, with a knife sticking out of his yeah. chest.
1: Again, because they left it in and it's literally plugging the hole that it made.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so... um What ended up happening with this guy is, of course, he had to go to the operating room. The same surgeon that had operated on your guy actually took my guy to the operating room. And, you know, I know I said before that we're a community hospital. um, and But you have to kind of think about the logistics of this actually in both cases because um, we did not have a heart-lung bypass machine. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we couldn't bypass the heart and lungs during the surgery to be able to repair whatever damage was done. Um, and I'll never forget the, <laughs> the surgeon. Um, I, I, I never went home that night. I stayed in the ER until it was time for me to go upstairs for my shift in the ICU. So I go up into the ICU and the surgeon, you know, accompanies the stab wound to the heart up to the end. And I was like, how in the world, did you fix a hole in this guy's heart without a heart and lung bypass machine? Yeah.
1: What he did was actually pretty ingenious.
0: It was. It was amazing. So he took a Foley catheter, which is, you know, the catheter that you normally stick in your pee hole. <laughs> yep. And it's it, sterile, of course.
1: And for those of you that don't know about a Foley catheter, you put it into the bladder and then you inflate. There's a little balloon at the end. That you can inflate with saline or water.
0: That's like and 10 that, cc's.
1: You know, that keeps it from being able to fall out. And that's what keeps it in the bladder.
0: So what he did in this situation is he took a Foley catheter and he put it in the hole of the heart where the guy, uh, where the knife had cut his ventricle yeah. open. And he... Luckily, it
1: had gotten him on the right ventricle. Right. Only in the... It didn't go all the way through. It was just the one single... Stab one to the front of the heart.
0: Right. So he puts the Foley catheter in. He blows the balloon up and puts tension on that catheter, which pulls against the wall of the heart and makes it to where he's not trying to stitch a beating heart. I mean, his heart is still beating. But it's not like, you know, he's trying to time his stitches with the beat of the heart. He can put enough tension on that Foley catheter that um, he can actually stitch up the heart. So, yeah, he ended up having to, again, with this guy, he had a sternotomy. Is that what it's called?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, where they cut down the sternum. Yeah, where
0: they cut down the sternum, like the center of the chest, um, because that was the easiest way, you know, (laughs) to get in in a controlled environment, which was the operating room. Um, but one of the things I'll never forget is, you know, he comes up there and you never think about things like this. And he told me, he's like, if something happens with this guy and you have to do CPR, he's like, you cannot do CPR with both hands on the sternum. Like, you know, like you normally do. Um, he's like, you have to do CPR with one hand on each side of the sternum. He's like, otherwise you're going to crack that sternum back open and it'll puncture his heart. And I'm like, Oh crap. (laughs) (laughs) That's not at all what we want to happen. (laughs) So, yeah, I, you know, it's like once in a career that you see these kind of injuries and we had them both all at the same time time in the emergency department of a small community hospital in rural North Carolina on a Friday night. (laughs) So, I mean, you never, you never know. I don't,
1: don't know if it was a full moon or not.
0: <laughs> I do not remember. I just remember. I remember finally getting off shift at seven o'clock on Saturday night and coming home and being like, what the hell was that?
1: <laughs> I think I left. I think I had a my. I think I was pulling a 24 hour shift on the ambulance yep. the next day. So, yeah, I think I went home long enough to change it to my uniform and then go to the station.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember because Saturday night was the night we had a bunch of dumpster fires. All the literal. The, uh, yeah. Literally. Literal. The, like, <laughs> the people were retaliating. It ended up oh, being like a yeah, gang war. That's right. Because of that's the, the drive by happened. Uh-huh. So, and they were retaliating by setting dumpsters on fire. Yeah. Which I don't understand. And I don't know why that, yeah. how that works. But anyway, yeah. I remember that that was Saturday, that was the next night when they started all the dumpster fires and we we ran all night long.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: So, don't order Chinese food, don't say the Q word.
0: Don't, don't shoot work each on other a, on a <laughs>
1: full moon Friday night.
0: Don't cheat on your wife. <laughs> yeah. So, I am going to grab our list here and see what we're going to talk about next time. Do you have anything in particular you want to talk about?
1: I don't know. I don't see the list.
0: Oh, I know what we need to talk about. What? We need to tell the story about the guy who stabbed himself in the belly trying to kill himself.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. With a... Rusty pocket knife because there's uh, lots of twists and turns to that one. So, yep. All right. Yep.
1: Till next time, then. Till next time.